Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And loving Him in a way that He's accepting that love because we've dealt with the sin in our life, all of a sudden it makes loving our neighbor, yeah, it's a work because we have to learn how to do it and what way we can do it, yada, 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 but we're going to love them. And it doesn't qualify what kind of a neighbor. And that's what's so cool about this passage. Because you had the Jews and the Gentiles that were like that. And he's getting ready to say, love them all. Even people of other ethnicities. And it goes on and on. Okay, let's leave here. And uh, so you're going to write down the great commandments. The great commandments. Now while you're writing that, some of you may be so intrigued by what I've said. I'd like to encourage you to get a book called Journey to More. It's written by one of our great presidents of Florida Bible College. And I'd like you to get that book because in it is his own testimony that brought him into, and I love it, Journey to More. We have everything we need in Christ, but to experience it day by day and to know it, that's the might part, you've got to go on that journey with it. That will open it up in a way you've probably never heard it before. I think they have some copies. I don't get a kickback, nothing like that. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it to add value to your life. So, remember, make the great confession. This one I put down, the great commandments. So above that, you're going to write the word obey. Obey the great commandments. Choice. Now let's go to the last one. You're going to turn to Matthew 28. You knew where I was going, some of you. You guess. Again, remember where we're at. On our little journey here, we're understanding what do we all believe that think that we believe is so important. Earlier on, I said, uh, family, how many of you believe we should make the great confession? And you all said, amen. All right, how many of you believe that we should obey the two great commandments? Would you say amen? All right, now we're going to go to the last one. And again, this doesn't have the word great, but Christianity has put it there, and for a reason, because it is. It's called the Great Commission, the Great Commission. This one has been preached on so much that so many of you already know it. So if you'll give me a moment, um, I'd like to just say something to those that are so new on their journey with understanding this passage. It won't take long. It's a real easy one to kind of parse here. Verse 19. All right, Jesus is now uh, risen from the dead, but he has not gone to heaven. You all got that, don't you? Jesus didn't just die and then end up in heaven. There was a time he was on the earth. He was still finishing up his teaching, doing some last-minute stuff for the folks, making sure they're properly equipped as he was getting ready to leave and send the Spirit to then to carry on his work himself through them, uh, for them, all right? So he's kind of in between, and now he's giving what is called the Great Commission. He's basically saying, this is what you really got to do, guys. Now, so you understand the power behind this passage. He is not speaking to a group of finely tuned graduates of his three-year institute. In fact, if you read in other Gospels, they doubted, they had fears, they had unbelief, and he kind of rebuked them for that, but he still gave them the great commandment. And I love that. I love it. Because I fit into one of those that have doubts, and I'm not always as faithful as I should be, and I have my inadequacies and all of that. And Jesus said, go and make disciples to those guys. He knew what they were like, and he's telling me, go and make disciples. Now, I didn't get them off the hook. It didn't mean to, hey, that's great, you have doubts, keep having them. No, he said, you got to work on them. And so he's saying to me, now, Stan, I know you got them, but kind of, he's a good counselor. 
get over it, he says. You know? And we need to move on from that. All right, but here's what he's saying here. In your English Bible, it says, go, therefore, and make disciples. So it sounds like the word go is like a command, but technically it's more of a participle, and it's implying more as you go or having gone. But why would it say go here? Uh, I don't want to get too technical because now you're saying, well, why didn't you say that? Why didn't you get translated that way? It's because it, even though it says as you go or having gone, the emphasis in the Greek, when you really go through all the stuff in it, is more of, we are assuming you are going, this is something you need to be doing, so you need to be going kind of a thing in there. So it's hard to translate, it's kind of on thin ice, so it can be go, that's enough, it's in there, kind of, but at the same time, as you're going is in there as well, so it's kind of like wherever you go, this is what you ought to be doing. You get that? So that means wherever you are, we need to be doing something called the Great Commission. So now we get into the more command. The command is to make disciples of all the nations. All right. Now, this is where you're going to have to give me a little bit of latitude in the context of this scripture. He is already saying, make a disciple. Now, to make a disciple, there are steps in making a disciple. Obviously, I can never make a disciple unless I meet somebody, right? I got to talk to them. I can't make a disciple of the guy that's uh, going to pump gas for me before I fill the car up and go to the airport. All right. But I need to do that with that guy, but I can't do it because I never spoke to him. So we're going to call that contact stage. All right, you can write that in your notes, contact stage. You have to make contact. It's a relational thing that I am fully focused on my responsibility as I go, as I go back to the airport, to try to make a disciple out of that guy whom I've never met. All right, I've got to have a contact. All right, from the, the contact stage, if I could use this term, my purpose is to do whatever I can, to build whatever relation I can, to help him come to the point of full faith in Jesus Christ. All right? So my point right there is to make contact with the intention of helping that person come to Jesus Christ. So that's part of the discipling. I can't make a disciple to least say I can't get a dead man to dance. Have you ever heard that before? Probably not here, I'm sure. But you can't do that. So the person has to come to know Christ as Savior. The next stage is the follow-up stage. Now, I don't want you to look at it as week one, week two, week three, week four. I want you to see just as a process because people are, are, are growing and thinking and developing and time-wise and you are having to bob and weave with wherever they are, thinking you know, intellectually, helping them through the process of their spiritual journey. So context, then what, and you don't move to number two until number one is done. So the contact is to the point of them coming to know Christ however long that takes. You're intentional, but you don't force it. The second is the follow-up stage. This is the stage where you're moving towards the full discipleship stage. This is where the stage might be, where that you're getting this person ready to understand that you've trusted Christ, but we wouldn't deliver a baby and leave it on the doorsteps of life, would we, John? No, we wouldn't do that. We'd help you to grow. So now this stage is what do we do to help you to grow? And so we begin to make sure that they might have a Bible, because we know we can't grow without the true Word of God. We need the fellowship of other believers. That's important. We need to know a little bit about prayer. So you see how we're the follow-up? Personally, I think the hardest stage sometimes is not the contact stage as it is the follow-up stage, getting them ready to the third stage. Because the third stage is the actual discipleship stage. Metateo means learner, pupil, or student. Some people become so hungry because they've just learned about Christ, they want to continue to learn about Christ, so it happens almost in the same visit, and we, we hope that it does. Sooner is always better than later. Do you agree? All right, so we want to get to that, but there has to be this 
I am, you know, he's my savior, but he's also my Lord, but I, I want to surrender him. I, I, I want, I, he is my teacher. I am ready to go. So I'm warming him up in that follow-up stage. And I, I hate to give you these little stages because it sounds too much like a box, but it helps us to think in a process fashion, maybe. So contact, then the follow-up, and then the full-on making a disciple out of this person, really helping him go and grow. And then the last would be reproducing others. So I haven't really fully made a disciple until this guy is out doing it and knowing how to do it with someone else. Now let me show you that in the passage. All right. So he said we need to be, the command is make. Of all nations, I would either underline all or put parentheses around all nations, which would be all people groups. All right. Can you imagine? That must have blown those guys' minds who never went further than a couple hundred miles. And it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And of course, that would happen after you know Christ as Savior. We know the word baptize means to whelm, plunge, immerse. And some would say water, some would say in the body of Christ. There's always a debate about that. I believe it's a marking of them. Verse 20, and I'll explain that just in a moment. Then it says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So, as I go, I make disciples. How do I make disciples? I mark them, and then I teach them. And what do I teach them? Not all that I commanded you. No, I teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. So the point is not fill them up with head knowledge, but help them have the head knowledge so that it's also in their heart and their hands. So they're observing it. They're encompassing it. They're heeding it. It becomes a part of their life. And I love this. Why do I do it? Because <laughs> the Lord is with me wherever I go. So I'm never alone. I don't play golf. And, uh, and I'm not anti-golf, so don't read all that in there, you know. But I just don't. I just don't have time for it right now in my life. And you're glad I don't play golf. I'd hit more houses and more people. But if I was to play golf, I would feel a lot better that not only would I have a teacher out there, but I'd also like to have someone sometimes maybe reach around and position my hands and maybe watch how far back I, I hold the club and how fast I bring it down and which clubs. And I'm all right there. Because I, if I was to play golf, the main reason I don't is because I don't think I'll ever be, I could never be good enough because I can't put the effort in doing what I'm doing. But I'm not to go in all the world and play golf. But I am to go in all the world and make this message known. So in your margin, if you want to, you could say the Great Commission is to make them, mark them, mature them, and hopefully multiply them. And so all that's in there. Okay, so the third point would be, okay, the Great Commission. And so what would be the word above that? The first one would be, of course, I love it, make the Great Confession. Obey the Great Commandments. And the last would be, live the Great Commission. And I love the word live because it's whatever life you are. We're going to equip people to do the ministry. Hopefully it'll be more of a full-time vocational ministry, but we're not going to restrict it to that. We're going to let God give the call in their life what they should do. We'll give them the tools and pray for them and that um, they'll be clean and close to the Lord with those tools. And then let God send them out and when they go out, we're going to be with them in any way that we can to help them. And circle people, you're a part of that journey with them. We're going to sit back and watch these people go and grow and, and we get a chance to be a part. We get, the, we get to be the front row seat of miracles of God happening. Now, I would like to end with this thought. Remember I talked about all the things that we're going to believe in as a family. There's a lot to believe in, but if I could reduce it to the book of Matthew, the three greats, 
I want to show you a little progression here that might help us see the beautiful balance of it. Are you ready? Here we go. What I need to do is make the great confession that Jesus Christ is God. I have to believe that. And because He is God, He is also Savior. That's who He is, and that's what He's done. So I believe in the truth of that, but I believe in it so much truth that He can't save me unless I trust in Christ. So I now trust in Christ. So my, com my confession to Him is that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He's my Lord. He's, he's my life. Okay, now, one of the ways that that would be authentically displayed outwardly would be, if I believe that is truth, and yeah, I am a Christian now, I would then, secondly, love Him with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind. So maybe some of us need to move from the, I know Christ is my Savior, but I really have not really fallen in love with Him like I should. And I don't know if, if it's an automatic byproduct or something that we have to work on. I think it's a little bit of both. I think there is that natural thing that happens. And so now you're happy to, okay, I love Him. Okay, if I really love Him, I need to take it out of the church. Excuse me. And then take it to my neighbor. So I really love the Lord, so I've got to love my neighbor. And if I really, and my neighbor define however they, my neighbor. But now the question is, is how do I really love my neighbor? Well, yes, Carol baked cookies for our neighbor across the street who helped mow the little strip in front of our house because it's special grass and he's a special mower. We've done that. I loved another neighbor who called me in the middle of the day just recently, and he said, Stan, can you help me check the front door of my house, make sure that it's locked? Because if it's not locked and my wife gets home before I do, I am in a heap of trouble. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. So I love my neighbor. I went over there, and I took his brand new surfboard, and no, I didn't. <laughs> I, uh, I went ahead and made sure his house was locked. I loved him, but I, I just made him love me more when he goes to hell. So now if I really love him, I'm going to do the Great Commission, which is help him, watch this, watch this, listen, help him come to faith alone in Jesus Christ and then to go on or grow on to become a fully obedient worshiper of Christ. Now stay with me. That last part there is now to bring him all the way back to you are the Christ, the living Son of God. And I love you with all of my heart, soul, my every ounce of my being. And I love you so much, Lord, and you love others. You love the world, and so I'm going to love my neighbors in obedience to you. And my whole life is going to be changed now to make fully obedient worshipers of God. Now that's what we as a family can embrace. It may not be the music. It may not be what some of the kids might do when they come into school here. Uh, that, that, that's important. I get that. We have to have family guidelines. I, we're going to have that and for sure, and you're going to set them here, people, for the school and what they have. We realize it is your house. We'll always be your guests. But at the same time, the things that mean the very most to us, cannot we agree that it's the great confession? And we will make that together. And it happens to be the great, the great commandments. And as best as we can, by His power and grace for His glory, we're going to obey them. And that we will live the Great Commission as one family together. You older folks modeling what that's all about to the students for being trained to do that with all their isms and spasms when they come in so that together we can rejoice in heaven. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. <clears throat>
why do we bow our heads and close our eyes? It's, it's so that we have a moment of, it's as close to privacy as we can get in a very public meeting. And uh, so for you, if it works better for you to just maybe stare at the floor for a moment, I, I just want you to get alone in your mind with God. So going back to the first point, <clears throat> flesh and blood in a sense did reveal it to you. I just gave you truth um, feebly as I did, but as spectacular as it is, it still takes God to fully reveal this to you. Is not the Holy Spirit communing with you right now, bringing you a sense of conviction that without Christ, you not only can do nothing and be nothing, you'll be in hell with nothing. And God so desperately does not want you there. And so would you right now in your own mind just simply perhaps have this, um, this thought, this conviction, this, I don't know if it's a communication. It is a transferring of your trust from your works, your belief system, as precious as they have been to you for so long, but now you so wisely realize that that's not the way. And transfer that trust into the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God so loved you that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. That whoever you are, what kind of person you've ever been, or will be, that if you will believe in him, not just believe, but believe in him. Not believe and behave. Believe in him. In him who? the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again. He says, you will never perish. Yeah, the body will go, but not the real you, the soul and the spirit. You will never perish forever in a literal hell, but you will have the glories of everlasting life and the joy of being in the very presence of God, the one who got you there and away from there, eternal life forever and ever. Would you now simply... Thank Him for what He has done because you received Him as your Savior. Because you have placed your faith, your full confidence, you gave it all up for Him, so to speak. You're not trusting in anything else. And by the way, for those of you theologians, that's what repentance is about. Changing of your mind, your heart, your belief system, the object of it. Placing your faith in Christ. Is it possible that there could be one in here today that might have even had that uh, transactional commitment and prayer and full belief in the Lord today? If there is, that means that the Lord kind of, bing, that little conviction came on. He revealed that to you. I'm so excited for you that I'd like to ask you if you'd give me the permission to pray for you and with you. Now, my prayer, I can't, I'm not going to get you to heaven by my prayer. We're not going to have you come forward because you've already seen we're not going to do anything to embarrass those who are guests. But I'd like to pray for you. Now, when I do, I'll just recognize you in a generic way, again, not to embarrass you. Don't worry about that because God already knows because he's the one who, bing, you know, started it in your heart to start with. So he knows you. He's got you. I just want to kind of partner with you. Would you let me do that? It encouraged me. So, would there be any, anyone here today 
accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, believing that Jesus Christ is the anointed, the Messiah, the living Son of God. And you believe it with all your heart, mind, and soul. Would you slip up your hand? No one looking around. No one's going to see you. Anyone at all that today you're trusting Christ? God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Now, we're still not going to have an altar call or anything like that, but if you've trusted Christ as your Savior a long time ago, my wife still has to remind me some things. Sometimes she'll tell me two or three times, and it's not because I love her less. I just forget. Maybe today you were reminded about a love affair that we need to have with the Lord. Maybe we need to go back to the first thing to do is to say, I'm struggling loving the Lord. Maybe there's a forgiveness thing. There's a block in there that you've got to release. Maybe there's an issue with a brother or sister that you've got to clear up or a sin definitely that you need to confess and forsake by His power and grace for His glory. So maybe there's something you need to do that will make it a lot easier for you to love the Lord. Maybe for some of you, you've been to church a lot, but you haven't been in the Word a lot. I know that sounds weird, but you know what I mean. You need to abide in His Word, and His Word needs to abide in you. And maybe there's been a little bit of that. And for the FBC folks that are here, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I haven't had the, the depth and the length of the devotions that I normally would have on a trip. Even on trips that I'm busy, but this one has been really weird and hard. But I want us to spend time in the Word so we will love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. With every personality that God's given to you, you love Him with that. And then for a moment, can we think about our neighbors? And define neighbors however you want. Take a moment even as I'm talking. Pray for them. Throw up a prayer for them. A friend, relative, associate, neighbor. And then say, Lord, what can I do to demonstrate your greatest love for them through me your greatest love is when you sent your son and died for God so loved them. So if that was your love for them, that needs to be my love, is to share your love of your death and resurrection with them and their need to believe in it and then to grow. Would there be anyone here today that says, Ding! The Spirit of God touched my soul and spirit, my mind, my being. And yeah, I knew these truths, but I need to kind of reactivate them. And Stan, I know you're my peer, but I'd like for you to, to pray for me right now. Would you slip up your hand? And, and my hand goes up too, because I need you to pray for me. I want to live these truths so much in my life. Would you put your hand up? Is there anyone at all that would like to have prayer? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I will say to those first, you don't have to raise your hand you don't have to notify me that you've trusted Christ. I do encourage you to go public with it. It'll help you. It'll help others. Others will celebrate with you. You will find a whole new set of friends. You that uh, raise your hand and I'm going to pray for each other, that's great. But if you didn't raise your hand, that's okay too. It's a private matter. Let it show through your life. And let God continue to speak for you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have eternal life simply by faith and not by anything that we do. We thank you that we're in your forever family by that same grace. Father, I welcome in this new person that indicated by an uplifted hand that they were trusting in you, but it was their trust in you that brought them into the forever family. And Father, I pray now that they'll continue to grow in grace and they get a Bible and read it and see that what it says is true and begin to do what it says, but with your power and for your glory. 
And then, Father, I pray they'd meet together with other Christians. Uh, Father, I know this church would be a wonderful place where they'd be safe and allowed to grow at the speed that you're going to grow them, but a place that they will grow and make some wonderful, lifelong, eternal lifelong friends. pray they'd do that. I pray also that they might share with someone else this wonderful truth. The greatest gift they received was eternal life, and they tell someone else that they're heaven-bound, that Jesus is not just the Savior any longer. He is their Savior forever. Father, I ask you to bless Circle. I pray that you'll take care of all the needs of each person that's here, whatever need that might be. I pray that if you'd like to use any of us from FBC to help them, that we would do that. Help us to also learn from them. They've walked the path. They know the community far better than we'll ever know them. So I pray that they'll feel free to speak into our lives. I pray that, Father, our guests now that are here, that they would return again and again to the safest place on planet Earth to be loved and to know you. For it is in your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,